I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in one passage, uh, unlike what we've been doing for the last several weeks. We're going to be in one passage, Matthew chapter 5. If you're confused or not sure how to find Matthew in the Bible, uh, let me give you some clues. If you're in a physical Bible, simply open up to the beginning to the table of contents. Uh, Matthew is the first book of the big section in the table of contents called the New Testament. So find the New Testament. The first book in that section is Matthew, then go to chapter 5. Now, if you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible, and you'll find that Matthew is around two-thirds of the way down that list. So Matthew chapter 5. Have you ever thought of what it must have been like to be Adam and Eve? Uh, like, Like, think about... They're in a perfect garden. They're surrounded by fruits and vegetables and things that grow on the ground. They, they have plenty of food. Uh, they're never uncomfortable. They're, they're living in like a, a perfect scenario. But not only that, they had a relationship with God that is unlike any relationship with God that has existed since they sinned and ate from the fruit of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, let me read you Genesis 3 verses 8 and 9. Uh, what's happening here is Adam and Eve have eaten from that fruit. They've sinned. They've disobeyed God. Um, and they've realized that they're naked and so they go and hide. They, they take some leaves and uh, cover themselves up. And look at what it says in Genesis 3, 8 and 9. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man. Now, now think about this for a second. They've hid themselves. They know they've sinned. They've made some clothes for themselves. And then it says, they heard the Lord God walking in the garden. Now, the Bible doesn't say that they felt like this was unusual. They didn't feel like uh, this was something out of the ordinary. God coming and walking with Adam and Eve was a norm. It was something that happened all the time. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be so close to God, to be so pure and, and so blameless that God just came and physically walked around with you? I got to be honest, I'm kind of jealous. Like, can that kind of relationship is something we'll experience in eternal life, but, but they experienced it in this life. It must have been amazing. It, it must have been so, so cool to just, hey, you know, the sun's at this point in the sky, and so I bet God's going to show up soon, and we're going to get to hang out and talk with him. But then they messed that all up. They sinned by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that relationship that was perfect and intimate and close, where God would come and hang out, that relationship was destroyed. And so now, today, we don't get to physically walk with God the way Adam and Eve did. Today, uh, we're going to talk about that and, and some of the implications that we see in something that Jesus says in the Beatitudes. Because I want to kind of think about for a moment what it would have been like and what you would do if you had this opportunity. So 
Let me do a quick recap before we jump into today's passage. We've been talking about the Beatitudes. It's the beginning of Jesus's longer sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and the Beatitudes are the introduction to that Sermon on the Mount. And the introduction uh, is pretty important in, the, in helping us understand the overall meaning uh, of, a, of a, a long sermon or something like that. And so understanding the Beatitudes is pivotal, it's key, it's foundational to understanding what Jesus says in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So take your Bibles with me and let's look at Matthew 5. We're going to begin in verse 3 the beginning of the Beatitudes. We've read through this every week in this series, and we're going to read it again. So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so also they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, we're going to be talking about what we see in verse 8. So look with me again at specifically at verse 8. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we're blessed if we are pure in heart. But what does that mean? What does pure in heart mean? Well, in order to understand this, we've got to go a little deeper. We've got to dig a little further into the ideas of purity and what the Bible says about our hearts. Uh, so I'm going to give you a series of Bible passages that kind of open up, that kind of unlock some of these concepts for us. The first passage is Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Write that down if you're a note taker. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see, Jeremiah 17 unpacks this idea that our heart, unchecked by God, is deceitful. Our own desires, uh, our own uh, pursuits, our own temptations are ultimately not for God. They are against God. And so we must be cautious. We have to be careful about leaning into the desires of our own hearts. You know, there's a, a popular cultural saying saying, follow your heart. Well, that's wrong. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's word, follow his spirit. Because let's be honest, according to Jeremiah 17, following your heart, the heart will deceive you and lead you into destruction. But there's good news to this. Our hearts are deceitful, but in, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, it says this, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, so the good news here is that we can be pure in heart. 
And there's a connection between that purity and having a good conscience and having a sincere faith. But it goes further. A pure heart also refers to our motives, our intentions. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So so our motives can sometimes be pure. And many times we may look at our own motives and we go, oh, those motives are pure. But really, again, just like with Jeremiah 17, we must weigh those motives against God's word and his spirit. We must make sure that every time we are looking at our motives, that those motives are not from our deceitful, unchecked hearts, but that those motives are from God and that they're pure. Uh, Here's something that confirms that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, again, let's kind of wrap all this together. Let's package this for a moment. Jeremiah 17 that our un- says that our unchecked hearts are deceitful and they will lead us towards destruction. But 1 Timothy 1.5 tells us that we can have a pure heart and that pure heart comes through having a good conscience and having sincere faith, sincere belief in Jesus. And then uh, the Bible goes a step further by saying that part of purity of heart is based in our, motiva- our motives and our intentions. And ultimately, in order to have godly intentions, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that we must submit to God's word and allow God's word uh, to separate those selfish uh, intentions and motives from those that are godly intentions and motives. This is a foundational idea. This is a core thing to our belief in Jesus. And uh, take that a step further. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is this big block of teaching. And we're, we've been studying for the last several weeks the introduction to that big block of teaching. But if you were to go read Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, you would find that the intentions of the heart and our thoughts are a key component to what Jesus teaches. He, he takes our obedience, for example, to what God tells us to do, and he takes it a step further and says that even our thoughts and our motives and intentions are valuable to God. That if we want to be godly men and women, if we want to live righteous lives, then our thoughts, motives, and intentions must also be directed by God, not just our actions. So let's take a look at Matthew 5, 8 again, one more time. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now think about that promise for just a second. It's an interesting statement. Blessed are the pure in heart for why? They shall see God. Now, what is this talking about? Well, I believe this goes right back to what I said in the introduction with Adam and Eve. Uh, Let me read Genesis 3 verses 8 and 9 again. 
It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the, God, but the Lord God called to the man. You see, again, Adam and Eve saw God. They literally saw God himself. They hung out with him on a regular basis in a physical way. Um, it's also confirmed in Hebrews 12, 14. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see God. You see, we're called to strive for peace with all the people around us and to strive for holiness. And through that holiness, according to Hebrews 12, 14, that holiness, that purity of heart, that's what will allow us to see God. But here's the coolest part, the very end of the Bible. So I've given you how the Bible begins in Genesis 3 with seeing God, how Adam and Eve literally walked in the garden and saw God in a literal physical sense. But listen to how the Bible also ends. So we've looked at the beginning. Now let's look at the end. Revelation 22 Verses one through five, this is talking about uh, eternity, uh, eternal life. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, obviously that's symbolic. All of this is uh, mostly symbolic. Listen as it continues, verse three. No longer will, will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. And catch this part, verse four. So this is Revelation 22, verse four. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more, and they will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The idea here is that through eternal life, through our, our, our purity of our heart, our holiness, and our belief in Jesus, we can only be pure of heart, we can only be holy through believing in Jesus. But when we believe, and we have that purity of heart, we're going to go back to the way things were in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. One, two, and three. We're gonna go back to being pure and seeing the face of God just as Revelation 22 promises us. They will see his face. You see, when we are pure in heart, we have the promise of an eternal, perfect relationship with Jesus. This is how the Bible begins and this is how the Bible ends. And that leads me to today's big idea. Take all these ideas that we've talked about so far. Jeremiah 17, that our hearts are deceitful. Uh, the, the idea that in order to uh, have right intentions and motives, we need to have God's word and his spirit working in and through us. And then this idea that the seeing God is how the Bible begins and seeing God is how the Bible ends. Take all these ideas together and what do we end up with? Today's big idea is that very thing. The big idea today is this, purity aligns our heart with his heart. You see, if we want to have 
a pure heart, first off, we must believe in Jesus. But that pure heart, when it's aligned with God's heart, we will see him face to face and have eternal life with him. It's all about relationship in this aspect. There is obedience, there is intentions and motives, but those intentions and motives and that obedience is wrapped around a beautiful, loving relationship with our Lord and our Savior. And so we want to obey, we want to be pure, we want to be holy because we want to be in relationship with him. We want to see his face. And so the idea here is that when we have a pure heart, our uh, heart aligns with his and we step into an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior and the promise that we can have purity, we can have holiness, we can have right motives and intentions and we can spend eternity with him. That purity leads us to a special kind of relationship. And let me just say for just a moment, maybe you're watching or listening right now and, and maybe you don't believe in him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And let me just say this, if eternal life is something that sounds good to you, the, this idea of seeing God and, and instead of having eternal punishment, you can have eternal life with him. If that's something that is appealing or you're confused and you wanna know more about it, let me, let me explain just briefly. Jesus Christ, the one we talk about here at this church and in many other churches around the world, Jesus was and is God's one and only son. And he recognized that our relationship, because again of what Adam and Eve did and the sins that we all commit, sin is the way that we disobey God or we don't do the right thing that we know we should do. Jesus came because he recognized that our sin had broken the relationship between us and God, this relationship that we're talking about. And Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and he died on a cross and that death forgave us of all those sins, all those sins that broke that relationship between us and God, they became forgiven if you believe in him. And on the third day after that death, he himself rose from the grave. And by doing that, he proved and declared that he was and is God's one and only unique son and that everything he said is true. And he did all of that because he loves you. And he wants you to believe in him, to know him, to have that relationship that we've been talking about today. And if you wanna know more, if you've got questions, or maybe you're ready to take that next step in your journey with Jesus, I want you to reach out to us. I want you to go down into the comments, the post of this video, and down in there, there's a, a link uh, to contact us. I want you to click that link. It's gonna take you uh, to the contact us page on our website. Fill that out, and when I receive it, I will reach out to you, and I would love to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus means, uh, what this looks like, answer any questions you may have. So please, Go now, go to our website, click that link and reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about Jesus. So practically speaking, how can we be pure in heart? Well, I wanna remind us that our heart, unchecked by God and his word, our heart wants to deceive us. It is deceitful and sick 
Our sin has made our hearts that way. And so it's going to try and deceive you into thinking that you are pure. You know, we like to think well of ourselves. We like to have a, a, a high level of self-esteem and that's part of the sin nature of our hearts. It wants to deny our evil, our sin, our brokenness with God. So your heart, your deceitful heart is going to try to deceive you into thinking that you're a good person when in fact you're not. So how do we live in purity? Well, first off, we live in obedience. You know, we take God's word and we do what it says. That's part of living for Christ. And please hear me, you can't live in obedience for Christ outside of Christ. Christ is the only way to do this. And let me be clear, you can't get to heaven by doing good things or or donating money or or spending your time serving uh, the homeless or whatever. The only way to get eternal life is through believing in Jesus, through knowing the person, the Son of God. That's the only way to eternal life. But when we step into belief in Jesus, when we begin following him, obedience comes with that. And so the first step to a pure heart is to live in obedience to Jesus. But the second thing is to live in right motives, right intentions. Uh, And I've got a couple of questions to help us maybe decipher whether our intentions and our motives are pure. Here's some questions to help you, uh, you and I evaluate our motives. The first question is this, ask yourself, if no one knew what I am doing or what I'm going to do, would I still do it? In other words, if what I'm about to do, if no one ever found out that I'm the person who did it, would I still do it? Would I do it if there was absolutely no one knowing about that? Second question to ask yourself to evaluate your motives. If I don't get anything for for doing or from doing this, would I still do it? In other words, if you don't get any benefits, you don't get any recognition, you don't get any power, you don't get any uh, physical or financial uh, compensation, if you get nothing for what you're about to do, would you still do it? Third question to help you evaluate or help us evaluate uh, if we have right motives, pure motives. Third question, am I doing this for the praise of others or to make me feel good? So in other words, are you about to, the, the action you're about to take, the good thing you're about to do, is your primary reason for doing that is so that you're, you'll get praise from others. People will recognize that you've done it and you'll, you'll get the accolades Or are you doing it maybe so that you'll feel better about yourself? Because again, those aren't the motives that we're looking for. Right motive is to be pure and to do it solely for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the right motivation. So the pure in heart will see God. So here's the question. Do you want to see God? Go back to Adam and Eve walking in the garden, getting to just walk and talk and and spend time with God, is that something that you want? If you were pure and there there was no worry in it, there was no fear in it, would you want to do that with the Lord? Do you want to see God one day in eternity? I know I do. And so my encouragement here is align your heart with his. 
Purity aligns our heart with his heart. If we want to see God, we must have pure hearts. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to have pure hearts. Help us to live in obedience and to have the right motives and intentions that our lives would be pure as measured by your word and through your spirit. Lord, help us to have the right motivations, the right intentions, not to receive accolades, not to receive some kind of physical, financial, emotional benefit, but instead to just serve and to please you. Lord, help us to have a pure heart. We want to see you. We want to see you in eternity, to live with you in eternity. But living with you in eternity means that we are living for you now. So Lord, help us to have a pure heart. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.